Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 204. I am Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinetsky. Hello. Hi there. Welcome back. Hi, good. How was yes. your hams? Oh, you haven't even... It's unopened. Oh, well, let's do a power open then. Oh, music to my Crispy. ears. I do love that. I'm drinking probably the world's most skunked Heineken because it was the last non-hams in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And I like to switch it up a little bit. It's you should invest in some Montucky cold snacks. I do need to go to the liquor store. It has been a while, obviously. Uh, if you go to the Marshall uh, Liquors over off of like Creighton and Marshall. I don't even know where that is. Creighton is Vandalia. I know. But when Vandalia goes... Do you go right or left if I'm going home from here? From here you go right. So okay. it's on the south side of the highway. So you're going it, towards the yeah. university. Yeah, exactly. Do you know where... Um, I guess you wouldn't know where anything... Like the BP... It used to be Choo Choo Bob's. Not across from it, and now oh yeah yeah Choo Choo Bob's. So I've actually been there. So yes, the liquor store across the street from Choo Choo Bob's, Marshall Liquor. They that's where I get my okay. Montucky cold snacks. Noted. All right, so now you know. Patreon.com forward slash Carpetrage. On this super cool handcrafted webpage, you'll find three open-ended levels of support starting at just a buck a month to help us pay hosting and beer. Patreon.com forward slash Carpetrage. All right, digging right into topics. I'm kind of just segueing right oh, in. Oh, wait a minute. Of, Hang what? on. I uh, need to give an overview of the episode for everyone. Oh, sorry. Because I'm trying to do this at the very beginning. Please proceed. In this episode, I drink a beer. And Eric drinks a beer. We discuss cars. Anyway, carry on. Tonight on Top Gear, <laughs> James wears a hat. Richard wears a hat. And I wear a, wear a hat. So I've been doing this because at work, um, literally yesterday, I stepped away from the computer for like five minutes and there was like a long conversation. Oh boy. On like the internal work chat or something uh, else? Yes. Okay. But look at this, com- this Google conversation summary. In this episode, Richard eats a sausage. <laughs> But what Google actually said, goes, Ross, Ryan, and others discuss a car. (laughs) (laughs) It's only the conversation summary at Bring a Trailer. Like, yeah, that's probably what's happening. Chat GPT summarized this dialogue. (laughs) These three Neanderthals are blathering about vehicles. Yeah, we we discuss a car. (laughs) (laughs) Say what we will about Top Gear UK. I really do like that particular open format. Oh, that's so good. Anyway. Uh, I want to talk about J3400, which is what I'm going to call NACS until they certify the damn thing as an open standard. So Tesla's North American charge connector. Yes. Talked about the Magic Dock very briefly on the last episode with that R1S. Yeah. But now, since we've been talking about the certification process, most auto manufacturers have signed on to say that by next year's model year, we're doing away with CCS Type 2. We're going to just have NACS. Great. Awesome. The problem is this freaking connector still has not been released by tesla and it still is not an open standard however so they're switching over to this thing that is proprietary as effectively to tesla correct and tesla at any point in time could just send a cease and desist no because of the signed contracts but right now they well, could charge for the usage which is well that's ridiculous. i mean so like let's say somebody makes a third-party charger mm-hmm they could send them a cease and desist. 100% they could. Yes. Yeah. If you, if you make That's what I mean. A Chinese manufacturer that makes a home charge box, yeah. if you put NACS on that thing... So if somebody makes a better charger than Tesla that uses their connector... Like Cr- Clipper Creek or Juicebox or any of these other massive and companies... And then Tesla can just send them a cease and desist. The, 
This is a bad idea. That has been our dialogue for the last several months. We're like, this is a great connector, but holy shit, this needs to be a certification standard. However, I'm not going to bore you through the entire article, but it sounds like... Well, all right, so I, I, I do want to clarify. Yes. This is the most boring topic in the world at face value. But as soon as you go, yeah, corporate overlord <laughs> owns the trademark for what is becoming the standard for competing corporate overlords too. Yes. In a free market economy. That's really bad. Really bad. That's literally like early electronics, the like Tesla Westinghouse Electric Company. Oh, uh, I actually own the transistor and if you make anything like they, that. No, that's the thing is they owned all of the all of the patents for like power transmitting technology and that's like when, when there was like DC power transmitting where there's a billion <laughs> lines for everything. Those are fascinating fake pictures. <laughs> yes, but that was literally a item that was owned by Tesla and they like when they tried to transition over to AC power mm-hmm. uh, for transmission purposes, like Edison Westinghouse actually fought people on that and they actually sued people and won lawsuits I'm, to basically <clears throat> make a power line, a, a better power line did not exist and it didn't like change until it became a problem when people were dying because these power lines, because you have a billion power lines, and as soon as like you had snow, was that was say, like really, really close, <laughs> like very heavy snow or something, or a heavy rainstorm, then you had a cursed problem. Are you saying acts of God were playing havoc with like I know, right? intertwined zero gauge 500 volt DC lines in yeah, shockingly. New York? Yeah. Shock- Believe it or not. <laughs> shockingly. <laughs> That was a good. Ah, that, was a, that was a good pun, Ryan. Slapper. Anyway, it sounds like this will be a standard so, for sure, and it will happen by the end of this year. But okay, man, cool. But like, it still isn't right now, so I can't give anyone any freaking credit until this happens. But that's the thing is like, so you say it becomes a standard. It will be public. Like, the patent is essentially owned. released, and SAE okay. owns the J three four zero zero connector. Okay, cool. Open standard. That would be good. That's, That's what, what we need. need. Yeah. Then it's good. Then this is a good thing. But until then... Because bad thing right well, now. Well, the, the thing is, is like, all right, there's a lot of... If Mark Cuban owned this, I'd feel okay. I trust Mark Cuban. That is a, that is a deep sentence right there. Yeah, but like, I, you trust Mark Cuban, relatively. I have no choice. But I mean, like, Mark Cuban as a billionaire... Like, if you were going to say... Mark Cuban I, v. Elon Musk? 100% of Cuban. Yeah, like, Cuban. Like, like, you have to choose a billionaire to, to oh. genuinely trust. Like, oh. Mark Cuban's up there. Mark Cuban, Jimmy Buffett, before he died. Oh, my God. Um, like, I've I would, been to his restaurants. Yeah, like, like Dr. Dre. These are, uh, these, these are, you know, not Taylor Swift. Um, these are billionaires. But I love her kitties. These are billionaires you would trust. Um, Elon Musk... Is not, not anywhere near that not list. Not on that list. He is very not trustworthy, uh, and he's the person that basically holds electric vehicles charging ability in his hands until this is public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is a bad thing, and I don't trust it. And once it is actually public, that's when I will care. Exactly, and I will keep everyone apprised on that because I do actually genuinely care about that. Yeah, no, and, the, every, uh, this is something that everybody should care about. Yeah, not even just like non or like only EV people, but like. Like this, this matters. Like eventually, you're probably going to have even a hybrid that will plug into these damn things, and like yes. you don't want Musk owning that shit. Okay? That's a really bad thing. He's not uh, trustworthy. Bad. So bad man. I 
have found a very. We've talked about car sales in winter and how car sales we, in winter are not a, a sensibly a bad idea. It's one of my favorite things we've ever talked about on the show. Honestly, was you showing me the like the empirical data saying that it doesn't matter what time of year you sell your freaking I have car. Better empirical. Right, well. So, what is the poster child of oh, parked geez, for winter? Christ. It's the first generation T-Bird, right? Yep. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. 100% the poster child of this does not get driven in winter. <laughs> so no, clearly, this is like the last car you'd ever want to sell in winter, obviously. per their... well, Of course. Yeah. Because it now, would have to go outside to get loaded on a transport. Let's scroll down to this graph because this is fascinating. All right. Stop. <laughs> What's the highest? A telegram? Let's look at the highest bid right. number. What just you, you just need to navigate over it. R and M was two hundred highest. Wait, wait, bid wait. But 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 go back, go back. Look at the two hundred. What month? January. January two thousand twenty-two. Highest bid was a, a factory supercharged F code nineteen fifty-seven Thunderbird. Actually, a cool car. But that is far and wide the highest bid ever put on a first generation Thunderbird, uh, and that was in January. Now. If you go to the, the second place car, that was in late November. Late November, twenty twenty two. That was the highest sold. That was a twin turbocharged fifty seven Thunderbird for one hundred ninety thousand um, dollars. Those are both times in which traditionally people say, "I'm not going to sell my Thunderbird." And if you look at this graph, so look around where there's like Januarys. Yeah. And then look where the lowest numbers are happening are right in between. Like 2021 to 2022 was kind of a fluke. You had a bunch of really good examples. Right, but that was a fluke for cars in general. Yeah. But if you look normally, like 2022 and then like 2020 to 2021, they I'm actually seeing... have all. There's a consistent, like 2019 to 2020, there's a consistent lull in first generation Thunderbird prices in summertime. Yeah, there's two outliers here, but yeah, there are definite U shapes around. Yeah, the there's a months. definitely yeah. a U shape that begins and ends around the holidays. <laughs> that makes sense, I guess. And yeah, who would want to buy a car at Christmas? Well, I mean, I that's that's the thing is like. Oh, actually, everyone's bored with their in laws. Yeah, that's probably we bought the Z8 in December, late December. Yeah, like <clears throat> I would absolutely do. like you just like got together with your family and like you're the car person. Everybody's been like peer pressuring you to buy a cool car. Like also it's winter. Like you're depressed. Like you want to get out and enjoy summer. What's going to remind you of summer? Oh, that car that you're going to really enjoy. Hey, let's have a couple of months to sort out the issues. I almost never buy cars when it's nice out. Yeah. I was just doing the mental math on that. Yeah. No, you actually should sell your nice car in winter. It is statistically not only not a change, but I'm finding that it's actually a better time. <laughs> you make more money selling a cool summer car in winter. That's because nobody's spending their money on things, I guess. I, there's got to be good. In summer, you're enjoying it. Right, Like, yeah. like In uh, summer, you've already purchased the car. Later. Like, nobody is driving around in July with their crosshair saying, God, I really wish I had a Ferrari right now. Like, no. It's it, too hot for a Thunderbird right now. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, <laughs> when you're in July, if you're in your Thunderbird, you might go, do I really want another one of these? Because it's hot as hell in this car. But in winter, air in winter, you're going, oh, man, I'm just imagining myself <laughs> in summer enjoying the warm weather, like listening to my classic rock and my Thunderbird. Like, there oh you go. God. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you do with a Thunderbird. <laughs> I assume that's what you do. Like, <laughs> there was a dude down here that had a 50s. Six, I think Thunderbird, a white one that like he was selling. Yeah, he was driving it around, just trying to get the carb to clean out or whatever. And he was planning to sell in the winter, so I guess that was a yeah, good idea. No, that's a that's the time to sell it. Like, 
I just think that's fascinating. And there you go. That is my like very, very big tip. You're going to have another tip at the end of the episode just, about car sales as just well. Just the tip. Just the tips. Okay. All right. I was just about to combine my first and second topics into one topic, but no. Elon Musk, back to this asshole. So the board of directors on Tesla is in yeah. the process of suspending Elon Musk from they the company. They should just kick him out. I, I know, but this is the first step into hopefully yeah. being able to do that. Like, if, if Tesla gets rid of Musk, dude, that That'd company actually would be good. I would invest in it then. Do you know how many people put puts on Tesla? me type of people so a lot no like that's a that is a quantity on wall street bets is putting puts on tesla when elon musk says some bullshit like oh well he said some bullshit about the lucid gravity because right alongside that announcement they announced as a company they were going to be switching to j3400 next year and elon musk tweeted them publicly berating the company for switching to a connector that was developed and sold exclusively by tesla until very recently what the fuck tweet generated by this person right here jesus christ so uh the reasoning behind this is quote unquote damaging fallout yeah from his internet no he's he's a very cursed individual like everything he does is bad like he's not a good person some of the memes were funny for a while but it's just been tragic It's just been tragic for the longest time. Like, none of this is funny anymore. None of it's cheeky. Just leave. Yeah. Go do space. You need to to go Go to Mars. Like, even then, don't. Like, maybe you should just enjoy your billions of dollars and stop talking. Well, that'd be nice. Like, that'd be the best thing you could possibly do right (sighs) now. Well, after he runs X into the ground once and for all, maybe that'll happen. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Yeah, that's... uh, So, this reminds me. Are you familiar with the Unity situation? The game engine Unity? Yes. Maybe? Oh. Oh, you would know. Oh, no, that I'm not. Do you know the name John Riccatelli? Mm-mm. Uh, XEA CEO? Oh, no. From about 2012, 2013. Oh, that's a really cursed era for EA, too. That because of John Riccatelli. Ah! Yes. He's the person that did that. And so, uh, with Unity, this is like the hot shit like, for like about a month ago. Okay. Um, Unity tried to um, change their terms and conditions, so every time you did install you had to pay them a quarter like 25 cents per install not per sale per install no yeah oh yeah it's exactly <laughs> what every single person said uh and they're like but what what's even more like totally fucked about the situation is they tried to uh change the eu there they changed they stealth changed the eula back in like may so they could do this oh uh for backwards and <sighs> backwards engines so like when you clicked on it to open an old, the, it's like old an version. version of yeah. Unity. So if you had like yeah, if you had a version of Unity from like 2021, you open it up, and you would have a ULA thing. You click approve, and what that said in that ULA was that they could change the terms and conditions at any point. Um, and so this basically like games that have come out years ago, any future installs, even if the person had already purchased the game they'd have to pay unity 25 cents per install. And they were like very, very like opaque about how the, how they were going to measure these installs. Um, if it was spyware or if it was what, yeah. like, how are they going to do this? They were not going to give clear trans, uh, clear like descriptions of how they're going to do that. Anyway. So literally every single game developer that was in unity left. Good. And like, so, like, Cult of the Lamb said, hey, buy the game now because we are delisting the game. 
and like you know Cult of the Lamb. Like that's a very major game. That's even I, out. even I yeah. have heard of Cult of the Lamb. Yeah, like <clears throat> games like that. Like Unity is. Uh, let's. See, I'm, I'm just gonna. That's got to be up there for one of the more popular engines. Oh, it like it, it is and Lumberyard. No, it is. Unity is the most popular indie game engine. So these are just a list of a handful of games that were made with Unity. Cuphead, Hearth, uh, Hearthstone, Pokemon Go, Beat Saber, Tunic, City Skylines, Monument Valley, Hollow Knight, Outer Wilds, Ori in the Blind Forest, Among Us, Subnautica, Rust, Fall Guys, Return of Obra Dinn, Roller Dome, RimWorld, Untitled Goose Game, Gunfire Reborn, Night in the Goose Woods, yes. uh, Monument Valley 2, My Friend Pedro, Far Lone Sales, Pillars of Eternity, Metal Hellsinger, Planet Crafter, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Overcooked, Genshin Impact, Call to the Lamb, Marvel Snap, Risk of Rain, Kerbal Space Program, Firewatch, Escape from Tarkov, Enter, Enter the Gungeon, David the Diver, um, oh my God. Getting Over It, uh, Reigns, Donut County, The Forest, Hitman Sniper, <clears throat> 12 Minutes, Oxenfree, Axie Infinity, Alto's Adventure and Iron Bread. But just a handful. When you type when you type in games made with Unity, that's I what comes up. Tarkov and KSP in there alone. And so it's basically, like, okay, every single of one of these installs. devs said, "Yeah, you know what? We're uh, going to migrate away from Unity." And so they're all switching over to like Unreal, Godot, everything. Mm-hmm. And so they fired John Riccatelli, obviously, because he like completely blew up the business permanently. Like. Unity obviously rolled this back, but like, oh well, good. It took him two weeks to roll it back and come up with any sort of corporate statement. And even then, it wasn't a statement from any of the CEOs. It was a corporate statement from like their chief marketing officer, or I mean, their, like their head of um, virtual communicate or like social media. The basically. last C-suite person that's still there after like, the fallout. <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. It was not even a C-suite person. It was literally just the guy who was in charge of their social media. Oh my god, said that, and like. The, they fired John Riccatelli, and that was it. And then they did like a half-ass rollback roll where they were like, okay, fine, it won't be $0.25. Cents. We'll, we'll waive that, but we do have the, right, the ability to change this in the future. And they're like, no. And they're like, oh. okay. So they rolled everything back and like completely undid it. But by that point in time... Oh, it's Unity's dead, I assume. Oh, it is <laughs> extremely dead, yes. So like everybody's like going over to... Unreal. Everybody's going over to Godot. I'm sure going all to... those other engines have like really nice porting SDKs ready for all this now. Yes, too. and so that's <laughs> the thing is like Unity's way of dealing with this is they've been suing people that make porting oh, for SDKs. Sake. This is Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is this is like oh, Musk, but talking about like Elon Musk and how shitty he is and like kind of the whole thesis of this episode at this buy point. EA. Well, I'm thinking about like the whole. Like, the entire, like, meta of our episode here is, like, don't trust rich people. That, like, Except for Mark Cuban. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. But, like, this is why. John Riccatelli, like, Elon Musk, people like that. Like, you don't want them to be in control of public resources. Because mm-hmm. they will do some bullshit like John Riccatelli did. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, John Riccatelli is now very forced to be retired. I'm just, I'm mind blown that they even hired him after he led EA into the dumpster. That is insane. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Unity thing was like extremely cursed. How off the deep end do you have to be mentally to think that that's somehow going to work? Well, you know what? It, what happened shockingly after this is uh, so Unity now has made a giant negative in what their quarterly earnings are. Shocking. So they have massive layoffs because of that. Great. Yep. So thanks, Sean Riccatelli. You're human scum. 
and you are the first person that will have their have, have their head cut off in the coming communist revolution. They're coming for you. Like you have now made yourself public enemy number one. Like this is awful. Weird like, guillotines are back on the rise <laughs> on wish.com. Like weird. Like, dude, this is like what? <laughs> like, how is this like a, And I, again, like how off the deep end out of touch do you have to be to even come up with an idea that's that anti-consumer where you a think it's going to work yeah and and like so uh, we're talking about elon musk and like that's kind of like you don't want somebody like that in your company like because that's like super cursed like and i they see that now know that but like now that the board of directors is now like clearly seeing this i really hope that they this is like the first step in ousting him yeah and like i think that there's a um like more of a, a larger push I'm, I've been seeing with like kind of people are tired with CEO pay being like wildly out of touch with everybody else in the world where it's like, yeah, you know, you can, like you absolutely can. Well, you don't and want you, extremely wealthy and extremely poor well, people. And only. that's the thing is like you, you absolutely can like pay yourself whatever the hell you want. If you want to make yourself a billionaire, you go for it. You can become a billionaire. There are consequences. It's like freedom of speech. You have the freedom to say whatever you want. You are not free of the consequences of your actions, though. And I think that that's what a lot of these people, these companies are realizing is like, oh, shit. Like, you have John Riccatelli, you have um, Elon Musk, you have gamers, the people that owned The Escapist. Like, you you have these, like, crazy lunatic C-suite people that just are not in touch with real life. Yeah. They're the people that worked from home not doing anything for two years and came back into the office and saw something in a microcosm and decided to quote-unquote fix it. Yeah. That's what all this is driven from. I mean, it's just like the fact that you are yeah either a billionaire or you own a company or you're the head of something doesn't mean you should be able to or are qualified to make a decision within that company. Yeah. And it's weird to say something like that as I'm saying it, but... Yeah, no, and, like uh, you might not have your best interests of your own company in mind. No, I think that like when you get somebody like Elon Musk, like they're not a CEO. This is a public face. Right. This is a content creator. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. If you want to have a CEO, like genuinely people are saying like CEOs could easily be replaced with AI because like that'd be the best use case. And I think we're seeing people kind of like lean towards that where it's like, actually, no, if our goal is to make more money then yeah, why do we have somebody like Elon Musk? Like, why don't we have somebody that's actually, instead of being loud, being brash, why don't we have somebody that actually has the interests of our company at mind? Like he hasn't right. given a shit about Tesla like, in years. Based on literally everything this company has done, its entire existence, this is the logical course of action. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, like, okay. Well, it's hard to fight your data gathering on a repository that we generated. Yeah. Like, so that makes sense. Like, <laughs> it does. Um, but yeah, so, uh, good. I'm glad that they're, uh, taking their first step to ask, uh, Elon Musk. Cause that is like, Really, so much better about yeah. That that is something that's been in the cards for a long time. However, I want to tell you that Thailand has bestowed upon us the perfect item again. What is it? The perfect item is not a Mitsubishi Mirage. It is. Is it a Daihatsu Copen? Ten thousand dollar pickup truck. Is it a used Zamyad Z twenty four? No, it's new. Ooh, that. The Toyota IMV Zero. That uh, we talked about a different Toyota thingy that was based on that same platform last time we recorded, didn't we? Not this one, because no? this one just came out. We um, were talking about. Oh, uh, were we talking about? I thought that was a new Toyota platform that like had it was going to be like modular and made into all these different like really tiny delivery vehicles. That was, or was that a different company. It had like that five CD changer looking thing in the middle. 
No, that was Dahatsu. Oh, that was Dahatsu. Sorry. Which is Toyota. Toyota's wholly owns Dahatsu. Anyway, this um, has to be sort of related then. Well, this is the thing. Is, so this can be sold. <laughs> this is made for the Thai market. But Jesus Christ, like, would you like a perfect delivery truck? Because that is it. Can I have this in X-Runner trim? Probably. Hell yeah. But like, genuinely, this is a perfect vehicle. And so Thailand, like, you think America has... Oh my goodness, people are already doing these up too. Yep. So you think that America has a lot of um, pickup trucks. We have nothing on Thailand, like given what Thailand's like average GDP is and like what the average person makes, like they spend more money on trucks per uh, GDP than we do. So in uh, 2022, Toyota sold 145,435 Hilux trucks okay. just in Thailand. That accounted for 17% of the total market. Second place was the Isuzu D-Max, which was another truck. So 145,000 was 17%. They're, yeah, they're really close because we sell yep. like a million and a half F-150s yeah, but if, here. And then but... if you account for GDP and if you account right. for, cap, oh for population, God. like, <laughs> yeah. no, basically, if you're in Thailand, you're buying a truck. <clears throat> Um, and look so, at him doing his good job on Photoshop. Here. Yeah. So if what, what you're seeing here is, so yeah, that's obviously Photoshop, but they had, uh, when Toyota brought this out, they made a mobile coffee shop, a DJ booth and overlanding RV. Oh, and that's what you saw was the overlanding RV. There we go. Yep. That's overlanding RV. And then I think the mobile DJ booth was the one that you showed me with the, uh, Oh crap. Oh, no, nope. I'll go back. I'll go back. I don't want to see that other garbage. Uh, right. Well, nope, you did it again because uh, you're you're on photo 15 of 15 and you uh, go backwards. Oh, it's actually kind of nice that when you go back, it doesn't start you at the beginning. Yeah, All so right. just going to click through because yeah, each one's actually a different page. There we fact. go. Oh, my God. There so go. many clicks, so many ads. Yeah, no, that's the thing. That's why every single one's a different page. <laughs> what is this? Is that the DJ booth? I have no idea. But, like, yeah, they have a bunch of different variants of it. That's really cool. Look at that base. This is one. a perfect wow. truck. Yeah. No, this is a great truck. This is what a truck should You don't want to pay for wheel covers? No problem, dude. Steelies. Like, everybody lost their mind over the Cybertruck because it's like, this is a low-res truck. This is a basic truck. Like, this is a basic truck. Uh, oh, that's the DJ booth. Yeah, that's the DJ <laughs> booth. There you go. But, yeah, this is a cool-as-hell truck. So it doesn't even have any trim on the A-pillar. It's just metal on the A-pillar. Oh, like the Fiat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, instrument cluster dial uh, that shows our engine RPM is a blank circle. It does not have a shift light in the base model. What does it have for an engine? It has an engine. Okay. Yep. I really hope it says that on the Monroni. It, it comes with engine. Toyota yes. engine equipped. <clears throat> so unfortunately, there's no plans to sell this in the United States currently. Ah. It would possibly go to Mexico. Oh, um, really? But God damn it, this would be a really good fleet vehicle in the United States. I know. It's actually a reasonable size, too. Yeah. And um, we ha- unfortunately have a 25% chicken tax tariff that makes this uh, unsellable in the United States. What if we had. Cause if that, didn't they get around that one time with like beds that dealers installed or something? Like if we shipped it just with like a body cab? Oh, yeah. I I think, could they could probably yeah. do that. Oh, here we go. Two liter inline four or five speed. That thing's going to be fast. Yeah, man. That'd get out of its own way. Oh man. Um, but yeah. So the in the U.S. lineup, the basically Toyota Safety Sense is like standard. So you'd have to have like all that shit. Um, and then like by the time we get here, it'd be like a Ford Maverick in price, and it's a truck that doesn't even have map pockets in the doors. So 
That's where it becomes Fine. an issue. I still think that this should come here, and I really think that Toyota should bring this as a fleet vehicle. Like, yeah, th- do it that's exactly exa- chassis cab. Because this is exactly like this needs to be sold to like Boyer Trucks, like alongside like exactly. an Isuzu NPR. Like this would sell like hotcakes. It's thirty two hundred pounds, soaking wet. One TRFE, one hundred and thirty seven horse. Yeah, beauty. No, it's. It's pretty small. It's two feet shorter than a Tacoma. It's 10 inches smaller in both height, height and width than a Tacoma. And if they sell it to us in X-Runner trim, hey, all the better. Yeah. Um, makes 137 horsepower. Um, and it weighs 3,200 pounds. Like, this is a good truck. This should exist here. Make this here. If, I, if it's a truck and I like it, <clears throat> it means that it should be here. Yeah, this is a really good truck. I like this. Yeah, so... Once again, Thailand, I've been saying this since the start of this, like Thailand makes the best cars. Like, do you need a vehicle that does a purpose? Thai vehicles. <laughs> like, like, well, yeah, we, well, we didn't put a screen in it because we don't need that and we don't want to pay for it. Exactly. Like, Thai vehicles are great. Like, I love Mirages. I love that because just that's how Thai vehicles are. Anyway, yes. Oh, God. We have the exact same. Oh, do we? Yes. Sorry. But click on mine because it's not a Mopar. Perfect. No, I'm telling you, that's not supposed to look like a Mopar. This is made by Mitsuoka, yeah. a company that oh, exists in Japan. Mm-hmm. That is a Kenmuri Skyline. Oh, yeah. So scroll down. That's the car. Scroll down again. That's the front end. Scroll down one Why more time. Why is a Mitsuoka based on look, a Civic? Look oh, yeah. At perfect. the Kenmuri front end. There's another Kenmuri below. Uh, so there's this front end. There's the Ken Murray. See the beauty. Grill? Yep. It's a Ken Murray skyline. I yep. don't know why everybody says it's a, char- it's a challenger. It's oh, not a fucking challenger. The front end looks similar, but the rear end, that's what really sells it for me on the, the skyline actually. Yeah. yeah no, it's yep. absolutely a Ken Murray skyline. So why is Mitsuoka, is it always been this case where they take some other manufacturer's vehicle and then do their modification? I mean, on they top? did the blazer forerunner. They've done the Mitsuoka La Slade, which is like a, like postmodern, like retro styled, like Sylvia. They had the Vute, which is supposed to look like a Jaguar from the 60s. Was the Areshi built on something else too? I uh, the Areshi was a care or was a Sienna based supercar. No way. Oh yeah, it's a Toyota 3.3 with well, an automatic. I, yes, I know the drivetrain was, but I thought it was based on a Solara or something. No, I'm pretty sure it's just all underpinnings oh, from a Sienna. Like, they just took like. And even that, Sienna's just like Camry. Like, well, similar, yes, that's true. But yeah, so the Mitsuoka, um, uh, whatever they call it, uh, a M55. M55, yeah. Yeah, no, that is absolutely supposed to be a Ken Murray Skyline. I have no idea why everybody's saying it's a Challenger. Well, I think it's just the, because the English language press doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. That's very likely. The only thing that really looked Challenger on me, uh, on it for me, was the uh, the front. This right here. That's pure Challenger right there. But that part, which is right there. No, it looks like Challenger. It's too deep. But you have this curve right here, which is that curve right there. Right, but it's also the same as the Challenger. But I agree. The rest you, of the you car have to have the overall like vehicle height. So you have to have the engine height. So right. I know it's based on a Civic, so I get it. it yeah, so it ha- it, there's certain like ways, a, like everything that's good. Some things are going to look like a modern Challenger just because of like how <laughs> math works. But like, Let's look at the inside. So here's the inside of the Ken Murray. Let's look at the inside of this. No, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Look at the Ken Murray seats. Wow. It's a fucking Ken Murray. Beauty. Anyone that says it's a Challenger should be peed on. They have it's no idea what the fuck they're talking about. It says Mitsuoka, Mitsuoka. M55. Is that their logo? Yeah, it's actually cool. a very cool logo. 
Mitsuoka is, Mitsuoka is weird. They're a really cool company. Like, I love this. I would oh, love yeah. a... Um, I would absolutely love a Civic Type R. Yes. Oh, with my God, right? It would be so good. <laughs> as long as it keeps the but louvers on the back they, window. They updated mm. the interior as well. <laughs> yep. So they gave like, a Ken Murray-style uh, dashboard applique. Like, that's really cool. And like, it Beauty. keeps like to the standard Civic stuff, so you just add it on. But, no, this is a really cool conversion. Not only does it look good, but it's also going to be reliable because it has an L15 in it. Yeah, it's just a cool vehicle. Did you know that this is weird? Honda has wet timing belts. No, actually, I didn't. Like, new ones? Yes. They're actually, like, oiled timing belts? Yes. I mean, I guess if it's you a engineered belt. the belt to not have reactive rubber? I did not know that, to answer your question. No. It is the Honda P10 <clears throat> engines. And it's their one-liter hybrid engines use a wet uh, timing belt. This guy. Interesting. Yeah. So those have a wet timing belt. I mean, it's not a terrible idea, other than the fact it probably makes the servicing much more expensive. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, no, that's exactly what the problem is. Why is, would they do it that? It is then? just as bad to do a timing chain as it is, but it, now it's a belt. That's okay. So, that, no, the more you think about it, it's actually a really cursed idea. Well, just for servicing reasons, yeah, but like it could prolong the life of the belt, so I not guess I really, could see no. that. Well, I mean, cracking is a thing, and that would, if it's constantly submerged in an oil, it's not going to crack as quick. Yeah, but the timing chain is oh, designed to not break ever. I know. This is designed to be serviceable, do. but this is designed to be serviceable, but with the amount of maintenance required of a timing chain. Oof. Yeah, that that's a very bad thing. Um, uh, so don't buy a Honda P-Series three-cylinder engine. Yeah, apparently. But the, this does not have that issue. I no, it does the not. L, L series does not. Uh, th- that is the one bad uh, three-cylinder. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, man. We were on such a good track. Yeah, that, they, they managed a way to find a, <laughs> to ruin it. Um, anyway, All right. let's do uh, this last one that you have your little bonus. Uh, that was a shared one. And then I'm going to give you your last bonus car sale tip. That's good. Sorry, let me close out of both of those freaking things. Oh, my God. I really hope this isn't fake, dude. Renault probably won't give it to us, but their newest concept oh, car it's so good. is a new Twingo, and it's just a retro future first-gen Twingo that's electric, and it's cheap. No, it's perfect. It looks so good. And he's so happy, and he's saying ho ho. And he's saying merci, and it's still got the triple hood thingy babops. I love that. Oh, that like should... It doesn't need that. No. But it but looks it, really cool. It's like the best design element. Let's be real. Like the half moon headlights with the little under blinker, like, ooh. Yeah. No, it's a really cool car. I love that. I just, A, we're, ever, we're never ever going to get it, even if they make it. But it's still, it was so cute when I was scrolling through everything, I just had to bring it up. Because we both love the Twingo. No, it's perfect. And like, that's this a... is... Dan showed this to me. I was actually going to add this to the feature or to the, um, I was going to add this, but I totally forgot because, uh, I got here late, but yeah, but just look at him. Look at it. It's so is. pure. It's so good. This I, is the happiest looking car I've seen since whatever Daihatsu last made. Yeah, no, it, it's, this is the happiest European car I've seen in an oh extremely long time. It's so good. Uh, so anyway, please make the Twingo. Please just give it to us. So, um, I want to talk about You're gonna give another us the tip? car sales tip. Just the tip Give here. me just the tip, Ryan. Do you know how to best photograph the interior of a vehicle? 
Uh, probably not. So the best way to do it, do you think you stand on the inside or the outside of the outside car? Outside of the on car. The outside, yep. Okay. So what you do is uh, click on this listing right here. This is a perfect example of a really great interior photos okay. um, right there. So the way I describe it is you can get your entire interior photographed in four photos, and that, accompany, that encompasses everything you would ever need to see. The way I do that, I tell people to do this, is you open the door and roll the window down. Okay. Um, you stand behind the door, squat down a little bit, and you look at the, where the B pillar would be, or where that little trim piece is behind the passenger mm -hmm. seat. Make sure you get both seats in the photo and take that photo. That's going to be able to get you almost the full interior. And if you take it standing from that angle, that's roughly the angle your head is going to be at when you get inside the car to look at it. So that's actually, cars are designed to look most inviting from that specific angle. Okay. Uh, then what you do is you move around to the door. You stand at where the B pillar is or where the door latch would mm -hmm. be. Squat down a little bit. Take a photo of the entire dashboard that way. Because that's the next angle that the car is designed to be looked at from. So this, these are going to give you the best views of the car based off of how the manufacturer literally designed the car to look. And you can see that that perfectly, in two photos, you can now see everything that you need to see on this Chevy, uh, what is this, uh, Chevelle. <laughs> Something. <laughs> yeah, on this Chevelle. So then what you do is you just repeat that on the passenger seat. And it's four photos, and that, those four photos will do more in storytelling than a hundred. I agree for like in your gallery because it's yes. just like the service record thing. Where like you want to like deliver all of the info right up front, but yeah. like you can also include or, shit later on. Well, for, the thing is like even like so like Facebook, you can only put in I think seventeen photos. Oh, that's actually up now. Yeah. It so lower. it's it, but it's like you have a really small number. So yeah. why are you going to take a hundred photos of every close up everything? Like th this is a very well shot car. This is a perfect example of photographing the interior of a car. But like if you look, if you go back like four photos, uh, one one more over to the right, one more over to the right, right there. This is the straight on photo most people will do to take a photo of their interior, mm -hmm. where it's yeah, you, you, you are seat. looking, you're at ninety degrees of the <clears throat> seats. You can see a great shot of the passenger door panel yep. that nobody cares about, which you're going to get anyway when they open the passenger door and take yes. a picture of the panel. You're going to be fine. Nobody's going to care how the passenger door pan door panel looks, but what you're going to care about is how the seat looks how the dashboard looks. That's gonna, this is going to do way more. Even if your seats are all screwed up, mm -hmm. this is going to do more for you than taking a photo where you're looking across the car. Because when you're looking across the car, if you go back to that photo where like this entire like quarter of the photo, or third even, is looking at the trees. It's a beautiful, like, beautiful yeah, scene. Yeah, you're looking at the background. Like, <laughs> but if you look at the actual seat, like you're going to have... 80% of the photo being of the seat. You're going to get more use of space by taking a photo that way. Um, they do have a lot of superfluous photos, but yes, the ones that... Well, that's the thing. Is these are, these are detail photos. Right. But like, you, you're supposed to have detail photos as well in your galleries because people want to see details. Nobody's ever complained about that about too many detail photos. Because uh, unlike documents, you can quickly scroll through and see what's what. Right. Um, but if you go out of this, and let's just go like a random... Um, scroll up a little bit. Uh, stop. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go out on a whim and say probably click in that Jeepster. I imagine that probably doesn't have very good interior photos. And scroll down. 
Uh, it's actually really good interior photos. But you see, it's another <laughs> example of like how well these interior photos like show off the inside of the car. But like, I was expecting the top to be up, and it was. <laughs> I, I expected it to be out like from like across the street and like zoomed in and like at like high noon. Oh no! And so like all you see is just like a little sliver of carpet that's oh. illuminated by the sun. Uh, that's a very cool Fuji Go devil that was for sale. Sorry, but really um, like. yeah, this is a good day for seat photos, apparently. All right. <laughs> and people are actually doing a good job right now. Yeah, so uh, scroll down. I'm just I'm going to go out on a whim and say, let's try that Volkswagen thing. I, I, I usually have poor luck with Volkswagens. Oh, yeah. So this is a little bit of a... That's pretty bad. So you can see that what they were doing is instead of focusing on that B pillar, they're focusing on the, on the headrest. They're focusing on the top, but like they did a bad look, job at focusing on everything. But like, look where the center is, is right there. Mm-hmm. That's, That's true. Yeah. As opposed to now, if they had focused right where the door latch is, mm-hmm. you can see that you'd see way more of the interior. Oh my so, this gosh. is kind of what I'm talking about is when you have your uh, photo gallery focus across and get try to fill that with your seats and try to show as much of that interior as possible. Because if you're showing off this, you know. The sky, if you're looking at the trees across the car, nobody's going to care about that. Also, time of day matters a lot for photos. Big deal. That's a big deal thing. Wait for golden hour. Yeah, just gold, do golden it. Golden hour is oh a thing. Oh, my so God. We'll go over timing at a different time Ooh, because yeah. that's just more just oh, general. Too much. Um, it's just kind of general uh, photography skills, not just yeah. a car sale thing. But, yeah, oh, photographing your seats, that's the best way to do it is get some good overview shots. And when you have somewhere like Facebook – and you only have like 17 photos to work with, you, you can really get a lot more mm-hmm. out of that. Like everybody's going to be able to see everything you need to show them. Remember and, when we had Craigslist and it was four and they were all 320 by 240? Oh God, I do remember you that. Remember that dice roll? That was. I remember that dice roll. That was rough. That was rough. Yeah, so now we're not like that. <laughs> anyway, there's your top tip. We're not animals. We live in a society. We'll yep. see you next week. <laughs>